You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. We came across an interesting loader that was targeting Linux operating systems, and um, you know, taking a dive into that particular loader, it kind of, you know, opened the door into kind of an interesting set of events that we haven't quite seen very often. Joining me are Fernando Martinez and Tom Hagel from AT&T Alien Labs. We're discussing malware using the new Izuri memory loader. And now a word from our sponsor, SixSense. SixSense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With SixSense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose SixSense, visit SixSense.com. characteristics of that loader were, were pretty unique. That's Tom Hagel. And then linking it back to certain adversary group uh, really uh, made it stand out as a, a next step evolution in that adversary group. So it kind of really captured our attention at that point. Well, let's dig into uh, to some of the, the details here. Um, let's go through it step by step here. I mean, we've got this loader uh, and it's using the Go language tool uh, which is acting as a packer. Can you give us a, a little of the technical background on that? For folks who aren't familiar with it, uh, perhaps aren't Unix folks, what is the Go language and how does that relate to, to what we found here? Uh, so the Go language is another language, uh, scripting language that anybody can use. That's Fernando Martinez. Same as Python, Bas, C, or any other. It's just uh, a little bit more complex. 
at the time of uh, decrypting or analyzing something, but at the time of scripting, it's supposed to make it easier for you. And so uh, it is not, it is a little bit newer than other scripting languages and not so used uh, by the community, but uh, for attackers or somebody developing code, it is uh, useful for them if they want, do not want to um, have an easy way of decrypting the, uh, the they, if they don't want the security researchers to have an easy way of decrypting that code, it is way more efficient uh, because um, all the libraries are compiled together and most, most of the times uh, many libraries that they don't need are compiled all together and making the researcher harder for identify what libraries are inside and what, are, what, is, what has a, a malicious purpose or a good purpose. Well, let's go through it together. I mean, walk us through the details of what you found in this loader. So this loader, um, what it does is uh, hides an encrypted payload and its purposes. Uh, so the only thing that you see is that that program has been written in Golang and uh, that it has something encrypted. You don't know the purpose, if it's good or bad. And then whenever it's decrypting the payload, it just runs, in, runs the payload in memory. So it's uh, hidden from the, from the analyst, the, any antivirus in the system or anything. And it does a really good job at staying hidden for, for those security tools. Let's talk about uh, Azuri itself. So, so this is code that had been posted on GitHub? Yeah, uh, looking into the code that we had available, we identified some strings that lead us to a GitHub uh, user called GUITMC, who appears to be an offensive, an offensive researcher. And we identified that this tool was first released in GitHub around 2019. And the full code was there. And probably just for good purposes, it was posted on GitHub, but it wasn't recently until 2020 when it was started to be noticed in the malicious um, or, or the attackers um, community. And it was started by be used by some attackers like Team, team TNT. But uh, the ability of having that uh, code in GitHub allows the offensive community and the defensive community to have a look at it and know what it does and identify how to protect against it. And, and we should, I suppose it's, it's worth noting that um, the, the actual name Azuri has a, kind of a, an amusing origin. That was really fun to find because, uh, look, well, the first thing you do is definitely do a Google search for it. And all of a sudden you identify that you get more drawings than malware-related uh, uh, results. And it came from the Magic the Gathering game, which is a card game with... Um, magical creatures and so that card from the magic the gathering the suri card has the capability of regenerating another target elf talking about the magical creature funny here is that the creator of the suri identified this malware as something that can regenerate another target elf referring to the program or executable in linux Right, so so a, a bit of a clever wordplay there i suppose from whoever came up with this yeah, um, it's definitely a funny story to tell uh, after uh, all the research. Now, there's an interesting detail here is that um, everything happens in memory, so we're not we're not writing anything to disk, which makes it harder to detect. Yes. Yes, uh, that's true. Uh, as soon as uh, any files touches the 
the drive, it is uh, easier to see, see it in the logs or see it afterwards whenever you're doing an investigation. But if it only runs in memory, it is harder to identify those logs or traces that it leaves behind. And you just have to catch it what it's running or it's going to be way harder afterwards. Now, in part of your research here, you've identified uh, some malware authors who've been using this. Can you, can you take us through that part? Who, who's out there using this? Yeah, Team TNT has been the, the actor that really caught our attention. Um, they are an opportunistic group that really kind of came to rise, I would say, mid-2020 um, after some reports from uh, ourselves and Trend Micro and Cato Security we uh, started to see this, this adversary attack cloud instances such as like AWS and then container systems such as Docker and Kubernetes and, and so forth. But um, Azuri really became u- uh, used by multiple actors kind of all generally right now on an opportunistic level. And Team TNT really kind of sticks out just because of their success and, and scale of targeting. But uh, at this point, there are definitely others out there that are, you know, at this rate, nameless, that are definitely using the tool set. And, and how would you find yourself with this on your system? What, what, what sort of methods are they using to, to get people to, to uh, execute the code? Yeah, in, in this case, what we're seeing are um, vulnerable cloud and container type systems that are, you know, not properly secured through best practices such as uh, you know, vulnerable to exploits that should have been patched and incorrectly secured credentials and services overall uh, for those systems. Once they're on there, they begin to um, execute the loader. And then at that point, you know, it really kicks off the defense evasion techniques to then load up their their ultimate intentions right now, which tends to be isolated around uh, crypto jacking and, and credential theft for the, the systems themselves. But um, ultimately, it comes down to really doing the best practices uh, for these systems since they're public facing often, um, updating, properly configured, and uh, locked down overall. Now, according to your research here, this is um, particularly effective at, at avoiding antivirus detection. Can you can you explain that part of it for me? Sure. Yeah. Um, so whenever the payload is packed and encrypted, uh, as Suri is doing, they have the capability of hiding all those techniques and uh, purposes of the payload. So uh, whenever we looked into VirusTotal to see how it was identified by several antivirus, we uh, identified that uh, if the payload was uh, encrypted with Azuri, only three out of 60 or 70 antivirus identified it as malicious, whereas whenever the payload, the payload was not encrypted, Almost all of the antivirus identified it as malicious, around 50 or uh, out of 60. Yeah, and one uh, interesting note there is, you know, the the loader really kind of helps on multiple levels because it has the payload that's encrypted, and it's all written in Go. So the delivery process is, is rather difficult to detect right now because of Go and the, the actual malicious payload is encrypted. And then you have the execution side, which is where you would hope to catch it if you didn't catch it on the delivery side. And the execution really follows it through the memory-only uh, approach. So you have to be doing memory scanning rather than uh, looking at pure AV uh, f- or files on the, the system themselves for through AD- AV detection. So there's quite a few steps of defense evasion that you really kind of have to be on top of to catch this type of stuff. 
Well, I mean, let's dig into that. What are your recommendations here for people to best protect themselves? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll kind of start there. I think one of the, the biggest things is really following the best practices to, to ensure that things are, that are public-facing are following, you know, updates and secure compartmentalization through, you know, things aren't executed unless you're authorized. Things are properly secured through credentials and, and so forth. Um, having a publicly accessible service, you want to make sure that nothing can be executed as well. Um, and that's just the basics to avoid the, the really common stuff. Um, you know, then it gets into, you know, if you have to operate in like a, a zero trust type approach or you have to, um, you know, kind of consider your environment constantly compromised and be able to hunt and detect this type of stuff while it's already in your network. Uh, so there's definitely multiple levels, but I think the biggest bang for your buck here is really, again, making sure that you have the basic uh, best practices for public infrastructure uh, in the cloud and um, container type systems. In, in your estimation, how would you rate this in terms of sophistication? Yeah, on, on my side, I would say sophistication is rather, um, I'd say medium sophistication. It's not extreme. There's definitely a lot more sophisticated stuff out there. The uh, persistence of this group is is eye-opening. Um, you know, while these type of approaches are not uncommon, um, seeing the persistence of this group and their constant evolve, uh, or their constant tool set evolve, um, such as Azuri or targeting AWS credentials, I would say the group themselves tends to be a little bit more uh, sophisticated. And we, we can start to see them evolve over time. I think there's going to be a lot more interesting stuff coming from TNT overall. Uh, but the approach overall, I would say uh, medium sophistication. There's definitely easier ways to do things that still work, but there's definitely uh, at the same time, a lot more um, capable methods that are a little bit more technically difficult. And what do we know about team TNT? Do, do we have any background information, any, any uh, uh, guess of who they are? No guess at this point. They are, they're a crimeware type group. So their um, attribution is going to be difficult. Uh, in many groups such as these, there's many individuals operating in a near business-like capacity. So they tend to be spread remotely to many different locations. So no attribution at this point, um, being that their overall mission tends to be financially motivated and you know opportunistic in nature. There hasn't been any clear links to, to certain objectives or anything like that outside of, of those. So uh, attribution at this point is not quite possible, uh, at least from our perspective, but it is definitely possible to continue to link their, their activities just based off of what they're, they're doing themselves. They're, they're not afraid to put their name on things and say, this is Team TNT, uh, which is you know, pretty common mm -hmm. with a lot of crimeware type groups uh, trying to build a reputation and, and so forth. But yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting on Team TNT itself is um, again, their their evolution to continually take steps to uh, advance their capabilities. The one thing that really catches my attention is them recently going after AWS credentials uh, in scenarios after using Azuri to get into environments. Um, targeting AWS credentials in an opportunistic fashion isn't too surprising. However, that really, in my opinion, opens the door for them to kind of take it to the next level of uh, completely compromising organizations for intellectual property theft or 
um, access for espionage or things like that. So, you know, complete network and cloud container uh, compromises rather than just crypto jacking. Uh, a little bit more complex, but I think that this group is starting to walk down that path. I just wanted to add it that um, I think I forgot to mention the Azure malware loader was uh, created in 2019, but it wasn't until August 2020 when it was posted on Black Hat forum called Evilop Code that it was uh, made more public. And afterwards, uh, a few weeks after, we started seeing it on TNT and other attackers also. Our thanks to Fernando Martinez and Tom Hagel from AT&T Alien Labs for joining us. We'll have a link to the research in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and Zero Trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.